What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Create More podcast by 1012 Productions. I am your co-host, Justina. And for those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a podcast that interviews small to mid-sized business owners and learn how they create more within their business. Today, we have a very special guest, Trisha Chokshi of Chokshi Filipponi Law. She is a local Mount Prospect resident and runs her firm here in downtown Mount Prospect with her husband. Uh, we're very excited to have her on. I am especially because we have a lot of relatable things to talk about. <laughs> so Trish, welcome. Well, thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. Yes, so let's uh, touch on your law firm first, uh, what your focuses are. Um, and then we'll go from there. Sure. Um, so we are a relatively young law firm. Um, we started in 2014 when my husband started the practice. Uh, our general areas of focus are immigration, real estate, business law, um, estate planning, and civil litigation. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now, I said we have a lot of relatable things because we're both the daughters of immigrants. Yes. Uh, we both run a business with our husbands. Yes. <laughs> and we both have families that we manage. Right. So let's go way back. Um, I kind of want to hear your story sure. um, because being raised by immigrants is, isn't always the easiest, uh, sure. you know, as, as children, as we're adapting to this American way. Right. <laughs> and uh, kind of get your family's dream and, and what they wanted for your family. Sure. So my story is not unlike that of the, you know, millions of other uh, children of, of immigrants. Um, my uh, parents uh, both got married at a very young age in India, and my father is a civil engineer who uh, is currently working in public service, and my mom um, had uh, her college education, and she was involved in um, various different healthcare capacities. She worked at a, at a nursing home when she was working. Um, and they both immigrated here in the early 1980s uh, with a very simple motivation. They wanted to make a better life for themselves, and they wanted to raise their family in a country where they knew the opportunities could be endless. Um, mm -hmm. And they were very determined to, to make that happen at, at such a young age. Yeah. Um, how old were they? Like early thirties. Yeah, they were. Actually, they were in their twenties. Um, really, twenties. Yeah, um, and to give up everything that they knew back at home, and knowing that they were uh, giving up careers and their family um, at such a young age to come to a country where, you know, English wasn't their primary language, and mm -hmm. it was a place that was very foreign to them yes. in every aspect of their life. So, um, I I commend that and. You know, for me, um, as I'm sure it is for you and, and countless others, that to me to this day is is the driving force. They gave up everything that was familiar to them to make a better life for me and my sister. And so every single thing that I do is um, my opportunity to thank them yes. um, for that sacrifice. Yes, I feel the same way. Yeah. I mean, to this day, I always say you guys are my biggest idols. Like what yes. you did, what you sacrificed just so I could have a better life is every day I thank them for it. Sure. Uh, my parents have a similar story. So they're from Poland. They came here in the early 80s. They had like a thousand dollars three suitcases and they're like let's figure this out right so they had a yeah. they had a five-year-old son and and they did and yeah. that's always been such a driving motivating factor um in your household was education very important absolutely Get an education absolutely if not the most important yeah. because you know for my parents education was the key to unlocking so many doors um they knew that you know it's it's one thing to sort of figure out what you want to do with your life but 
the only way you were going to get from where you are now to that point B is to go to school, work really hard, um, and and be diligent about your studies. So from day one, that was something that was a, a non-negotiable almost yeah. for my parents. Yeah. And you know, even every opportunity was an opportunity to learn something. So I couldn't even go to a grocery store or the bank or to run even a simple errand without walking away with a lesson about how to save money or nice. you know how a certain part of the world works and that's something now as a mom and a parent um, is something that I find myself doing yeah. almost unintentionally <laughs> yeah. but it's it's just part of my being so very cool yeah uh, was having an entrepreneurial spirit a thing of your household or where, where did you kind of it's actually almost kind of the opposite because okay. I think for a lot of immigrant families you kind of you don't easily want to rock the boat, right? You you find, you know, my parents found a job and there was a level of comfort that came with the job that they knew, okay, this is a paycheck that I can't lose. Mm-hmm. And I know that by keeping this job, there's a level of stability. So you almost kind of had the opposite of the entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. But there was also that, that sort of energy that drives most immigrants of, constantly working hard, constantly trying to find ways to, um, uh, you know, get a step further for your you and your own family and, and your willingness to kind of try different things. So it was, it's a little bit of a balance. For sure. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say that my parents probably would have dropped everything and started a business, but there are, a, it is something that a lot of, I think, immigrant families do do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they know that this is their shot to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. My, my parents both had full-time jobs. So my mom is a seamstress and my dad was a contractor. Um, but before that, my dad worked at uh factory and on the side they both had side jobs so mm-hmm. they just hustled right all the time right and when I got old enough where I could go home after school like I would have to hustle at home yes. <laughs> you know like you yep. peel potatoes or like yes prep dinner and yes. do lunch so. everyone definitely contributes to yes. the family you have no in, choice <laughs> yes that is for sure <laughs> so going off of that so um, your focus is immigration law. So kind of your your story, how has that inspired you to do what you're doing now? Sure. So, you know, my exposure to immigration law started as early as it can. Um, you know, it's, it's just part of every fabric of my being, really. So as a child, you know, my, my parents immigrated to the United States, but they then um, sponsored and, and brought family members of really? theirs to the United States. And so now our family has, has grown to the point where we're all here and we don't really have a lot of people back in our home country um, uh, that are that are left there. So, you know, I was always exposed to the intricacies and the complexities of immigration law at a very early age at a very, at a very personal level. Cool. Um, and as my education continued and I decided, you know, when I was exploring careers and the like, I was a political science major. And so, you know, I was brought under the wing of an immigration law professor at a very early age and learned it from a different angle. Cool. You know, I started to learn the ins and outs of, of this particular area and developed an interest in immigration policy and the like. So was that in college already? Yeah, that there? was in college. Um, and so, you know, at a very early age, I feel like, in, in, at least in my education, that seed was planted. Yeah. And then 
it just kind of went off. So I've worked in different capacities, um, in but in this particular area pretty much since I was an undergrad in college. Wonderful. That's yeah. huge. And it molds you. Yes, certainly. <laughs> and you see how much of this uh, particular issue is shaped by uh, all of the, sh- the shifting dynamics in politics, right? So if you are one of those students who's interested in politics but also has an interest in this particular issue, then it's a great career option because you get a little bit of everything. Both worlds. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, but it's it's it can be good and it can be bad, right? So because some so much of it is is uh, fluctuating. Okay. Yes. Yes. Now your husband Augie, he has a similar background, correct? Yes. So he too is is the child of of two immigrants. His story is is quite similar to mine. So his parents immigrated here in the 70s and they were they were restaurant owners. I mean, yeah. they owned an Italian restaurant in in Chicago uh, and their endeavor took them to a really cool hot dog pizza place in Schiller Park that cool. they owned uh, pretty much until we were in high school. Oh, that's and, cool. uh, you know, Augie was always very popular because on his birthdays he would bring in pizza to <laughs> class. So forget people who Augie it. is still very popular. Very, very popular, <laughs> very cool. But um, yeah, so he, you know, he he's one of the first people to tell you, I mean, his summers were spent in the back of a restaurant. Um, he says he's quality. He was quality control, right? Mm-hmm, Tasting mm-hmm. all the food everything. and making sure everything worked well. But again, it's it's not unlike the story of many others. Yeah, helping out the family family business. Sure. Now, after law school or during law school, did you know you wanted to go into business with your husband, or how did that? come about? No, not right away. I actually wasn't completely convinced I even wanted to go to law school for a long time. I, I, um, I decided to go to law school after working for a nonprofit for a okay. couple of years doing immigration work cool. and loved the work so much, but recognized that I wasn't able, I, I was only able to go so far in my work. I wasn't able to take on the personal one-on-one advocacy that I wanted to do for so many of my clients and so much of the population. I needed that law degree and I recognized that. So that's sort of when I decided to, to go to school. Um, you know, I unlike... I'm not unlike many other law school graduates. You know, I, I left with debt and I left with all of those sort of obligations. Um, so I worked in the private sector for a little bit, recognized that wasn't necessarily for me. I worked in government for a while and absolutely loved it. Um, but I think in the back of my mind, I knew, especially when I was in the private sector, that I didn't want to work for anyone else. I, I really wanted to take charge of my yes. own career create for myself um so it was always lingering in the back of my mind yeah yeah and is it fair to say that your law firm is very socially conscious right yes so a a very proud piece of our story um is that we our firm um we didn't just decide to switch on a light one day we um we grew out of a a legal incubator Mm -hmm. um the chicago bar foundation runs the justice entrepreneurs project in chicago and it is an incubator that allows young attorneys to build very socially conscious law firms. Um, There is a recognition in our profession that it's changing. um, And a lot of it is was a result of of the Great Recession and recognizing that ordinary consumers are being priced out of the legal market. And we need to find ways to ensure that ordinary consumers, ordinary Americans can still have their access to their day in court um, to seek the justice that they're seeking. So our job is, our, our firm focuses more on getting 
getting away from the traditional hourly billing type practice to more um, affordable options. And, you know, what we tell our prospective clients all the time is that we can be as much attorney or as little attorney as you mm-hmm. want. And that allows the consumer to take control of how they want to hire us. Nice. Um, you know, there are aspects to the legal practice that will always sort of remain kind of traditional. Sure. But if we can innovate, we we certainly try to. We do. Uh, so with that, I'm sure you have a lot of successful client stories. Yeah. Um, are, is there one you could share? What has been like a rewarding experience? Yeah, for- I mean, you know, for us, you know, from my from my end of the practice, at least, I, you know, my immigration work probably, you know, to this day, obviously, is is the most rewarding because I'm I'm helping families, I'm helping individuals at very vulnerable places mm-hmm. in their life, um, and in very vulnerable situations. So whatever you know, whatever little that I'm able to do to make sure that they feel safe and protected and secure um, and for them to be able to do exactly what my parents were trying to do you know 30 40 years ago is the best thing yes. it's the best feeling um, and I you know I've seen I've seen individuals uh, come with their you know younger children who are now um, you know they're starting to get them ready for school and they're a little older and it's it's just a very fulfilling fulfilling job to have um, and you know in other aspects of my practice are too. You know, I, we, my areas of practice tend to focus on things that are big moments in people's lives. So yeah. whether they're buying a new home or doing something on the immigration side, you to, to be able to come along for the ride is really great. Yeah. You're supporting their American dreams. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Ever evolving American dreams. Sure. Right. Sure. We're all in it together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so socially conscious. Now you had mentioned something when we had a micro summit here in town with all <clears throat> a local women business owners your big dream can you share share that with us because when you said that at at the presentation I was like whoa yeah (laughs) I had read a story a while ago about um this young attorney in California uh, I believe it's somewhere on the west coast I think it's California who um started a coffee shop law firm and anyone who knows me knows that you know my love for coffee and bacon cannot be (laughs) replaced by anything so um I've always dreamt about um doing a variation of that where I can you know sell coffee make coffee and also be able to engage in the practice of law. So I will find a way to combine the two. <laughs> I fully support that. I'll, I'll make the coffee for you. Yeah. So, um, the, you know, the wheels are always turning towards that goal somehow. But I, I, would I think that's lovely. That. Yeah. It's approachable. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. And, I, you know, and, and, and for, again, for a way to maybe be able to incorporate some pro bono work or clinic work in, in my work is always something that I'm trying to do if mm-hmm. I can. Um, and, you know, what better way than... In a coffee shop. In a coffee shop, a comforting right. coffee shop. Right. I love that idea. Right. Um, so with your business, how important is it for you to have a digital presence? Very, if not the most. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, as I, as we just talked about a little earlier, with the profession evolving the way that it is, um, I think gone are the days where you can maybe just take out an ad in a paper and hope that someone, someone is going to call you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so much of the our marketing now is done online um it's it's very accessible it's not that difficult to put together 
but um, you know, it's it's still kind of challenging. I think the pace at which it moves, like it's constant all the time. It's hard as a business owner to keep up with that along with everything else we have to do. So we've always found that a little challenging, but it's it's very and we're always looking to to increase that that presence. What are some platforms you use? So Facebook pages, Twitter, Instagram, you know, those are sort of the 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 things that we have. We also try to have a blog presence because okay. it allows us to um, put in little nuggets of information um, on very complex topics so that consumers have it. Um, you know, what I always hear from per- prospective clients when it, when we talk a little bit about how they heard about us, you know, they do their research. I mean, they may get a referral from word of mouth or from someone that they know, but they do make a conscious effort to look you up. And I think it, um, it helps to have a, a blog in particular because it allows us to to um, to communicate in a different way. Yeah, reference that, and then right. like, more questions might right. come up. And right. um, so, with that being said, as for an attorney that's just starting out and looking to open their own firm, what are a few nuggets of advice you'd give them? Sure. So, um, you know, I, I think be ready to adapt is mm. is one of those things. I think uh, a lot of times in law school or at a bar association event or wherever it is, you may have an idea that this is how your practice is going to look or um, what those first few years are going to be. And then you're in it and it's not. (laughs) And so you have to be, I think, and that I think is universal for pretty much any small business. Agreed. Um, But I think in ours in in particular, because it's a a very unique time with things that are changing and and the amount of attorneys that are out there and and the like. Um, And the economy changes too and so depending on the kind of practice area you have there's there are going to be instances where maybe the um you know the need for it is it fluctuates too so um you know I think be ready to make changes and adapt is Mm -hmm. has been key and it's it's not as easy to do as as one would think sure um get ready to put the work in right (laughs) and I think the second would be be ready to get yourself out there. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the the online marketing and all of those things, it's certainly a big component of the overall marketing that you do, but so much of our profession is on relationship building and building trust. So whether it is with um, referral sources or other fellow attorneys, um, that goes a really long way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of my mentors are individuals who I've spent time, you know, speaking with on a variety of things. It doesn't always need to be about work or our businesses, but that relationship building is is really priceless. For sure. Do you, as a firm, do you host any workshops or seminars? We do. So we have, um, we do uh, educational workshops through various different stakeholders. So we'll have workshops, informative workshops at the public library. Um, I've done immigration type workshops at the library and churches. Um, if we're doing something that allows us to collaborate with others, um, we, we love doing those types of workshops. So we've held real estate workshops with mortgage lenders or financial okay. advisors or those types of things. And um, we also do business mentoring with the Small Business Administration yes. and, and the city of Chicago. So those have always been really great opportunities to meet new people and engage with larger audiences. Yeah, that face-to-face. Um, 
and we also run the help desk at the library. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about that program. So um, we run a community legal help desk at the Mount Prospect Public Library. We're there on the last Wednesday of every month um, for two hours. And so... um, residents, patrons can come to the library. They can schedule a free 30-minute consultation on pretty much any topic. Um, they the, the point and the objective of this, this program is to give the patron a roadmap for whatever their mm. legal issue might be and determining whether or not they even need to consult with a lawyer yet. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we get um, a variety of inquiries. Um, some people have family law issues. They may have car accident issue, an estate issue, some of it's real estate related immigration issues. So we've seen a whole a variety of things. And it's very nice because, you know, you come you think of a library as the place where you do that initial research anyway. Yes. So we are there to to, to complement resources. And yeah, to complement what the library yeah. already offers. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's a great idea. Whose idea was that? So <laughs> it, it was a it was a little bit of, of both. So we used to run a very similar uh, help desk at the Evanston Public Library, and okay. um, when we when we ended that program, you know, we thought there's no other community where we would like to give back in this way than than our our home. So we pitched it. Um, to the Mount Prospect Public Library and the and rest is history, in. I guess. Yeah. And they were in. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, now it's just you and Augie at the moment, correct? Yes. Now, are you happy with that? Or would you ever consider growing your firm? Yeah. Or? Well, we're, you know, I, I like I said, we're, we're still relatively young. I mean, Augie started the practice in 2014 and this became a joint venture in 2016. So it really hasn't been that yeah. much time, right? Um, you know, I think for us, because we are a uh, husband and wife owned company. Every decision we make about the business is that much harder because not only do we have to think about the business, but we think about everything at home. So, mm-hmm. you know, every dollar that's spent on marketing, every dollar that's spent on staff, every, you know, yes, yeah. it's it's something that ties back to, well, we still have two kids that we need yeah. to feed. So, um, you know, we're, we're at this, this, this very, um, this, this comfortable spot of, of having grown to, to where we are now, but still being kind of cautious about, um, you know, hiring someone or, or the like. So we're we're sure. still going through some of those growing pains, but which it's is an normal. exciting time. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Any other big plans for your firm? You know, this month has been all about planning for 2020. Yes. So, um, you know, we've we've certainly set a, a a couple of goals. So we have um new office space here really? in Mount Prospect, same building, but we're we're growing our space a little bit and hope to incorporate um, more workshops and the like in our oh, own that's space. Wonderful rather than elsewhere. So we have a lot of that sort of in the pipeline for this year. And um, yeah, taking more of a concentrated effort to, to work on the marketing piece and, and controlling the growth yeah. for the year. Yeah. yeah, Wonderful. Well, how can people reach you? Well, they can reach us um, online through our website, uh, www.law-cf.com. And we're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. We will be sure to leave Trisha's contact information uh, down below with all her social media platforms. If you are a creator or small to mid-sized business owner wanting to learn more or hear stories just like this one, make sure to check out our podcast on our YouTube channel or on our Anchor channel. 
Or if you would like to share your story on our podcast, make sure to connect with us down at the link below. Thank you so much for watching the Create More podcast by 1012 Productions. We'll be sure to catch you on the next one.